Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. might be over for this season, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From the latest odds, totals, player performance props to where the next coach will be hired, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just basketball, but online is your source for hockey, boxing, and UFC odds right to the Olympic coverage is the best in the business. From sports right down to your favorite Vegas casino games, BetOnline is your number one online wagering destination. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports and play your favorite games. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, folks, this is Jeremy Evans, your host of the Believe in Sports Law podcast via the Believe Podcast Network. Today is Monday, February 14th, 2022. Happy Valentine's Day to all the lovers out there. And uh, hope that it is a wonderful day for everybody. And um, hope that you enjoy the time with your loved ones. So today's episode, this is uh, episode seven for season uh, four. What we're talking about is this sort of idea of changes that are occurring in entertainment and sports deal making. And this is a topic that we've kind of touched on in other areas, but not directly as we'll talk uh, about today. But the idea is, is that uh, with technology, the increase in technology, the increase in the use of technology, uh, particularly in sports and entertainment and communications and connecting with people via social media or the metaverse or what have you, uh, blockchain technology, crypto, all these things uh, that are allowing for uh, a changing of dynamics in terms of entertainment, media, and sports deal making, with particular focus on this idea that the contracts themselves are changing. The relationships are changing, but also the contracts themselves are changing and how to measure certain things. Now, in the past on this show, we've talked about this whole idea of Web 3.0, which uh, if you sort of go back through history, Web sort of the Web 1.0 was the first iteration of the Internet. And, and then obviously what that looked like and, um, you know, generally was was mostly used for research or mostly used for people who had access to it. Uh, computers were generally pretty slow, but obviously it was a, um, a very interesting and a very important innovation. Web 2.0 was all about this idea of platforms creating or distributing content. And Web 3.0 is all about direct-to-consumer, consumers having direct access to talent, talent having direct access to consumers, really getting rid of the middleman. And people, you know, basically putting content on multiple platforms and having a little bit more freedom or creative control, which we talked about in last uh, week's show. 
So of course, again, anytime you change the structure or the, the relationship of the deal, rather, you're going to change the structure of it. If the relationship between the parties changes, you're going you're gonna to have a different structure. If you're not having to pay a middleman, or if there's less value that a platform can bring, um, or if there's better measurements being used so that you can basically decipher how much somebody's true value is, uh, which we talked a little bit about yesterday and comparing baseball players that go through arbitration and uh, Hollywood stars that don't really have an arbitration process and they essentially get paid uh, what they can negotiate. And then sometimes it's based on past contracts, but uh, mostly what it's based on is what was your latest film? What was your latest title? Did you win any awards? So there is some analytics, some data to it, but it's not as sophisticated as I would say uh, the sports aspect has been. Part of that is probably because uh, there's so much arts and entertainment aspect when it comes to the entertainment industry compared to sports, even though sports in itself can be an art form, right? And the way that a player performs uh, or that an athlete performs, the, the difference is, is that, you know, ultimately you're talking about entertainment, you're talking about an interpretation of something, you're talking about uh, the copyright of something, talking about the intellectual property of something. Uh, baseball is different uh, than that, uh, as you know from, from experience. But sort of, again, as you change the structure of a negotiation and you're inserting new parties, you're taking away certain parties, you're going to change the deal-making process as well and what that looks like. So what this means is, is that agents and attorneys are going to be tasked with coming up with new creative ways to get their clients either more freedom, more creative control, uh, or more payment uh, based on their liking uh, in comparison to traditional deals and measurements. And this is being sort of exasperated by the fact that uh, there are so many new areas of business that sports and entertainment are expanding into. Uh, you know, it, in many ways, podcasts have made radio cool again. And uh, it's, it's sort of this idea of you know, now everybody wants to get into a podcast. The Hollywood Reporter ran a great article today about this and what those look like. Uh, and of course, athlete-led sports entertainment production companies, Peyton Manning recently getting uh, is going to be getting into game shows and some other things. And him and his brother are doing a great job with regard to um, the deal that they have with ESPN and some of the announcing they have for games. But of course, you have gaming and esports. You have sports betting. Uh, now you have folks getting paid uh, to, uh, as an influencer, to uh, put up sports bets on their influencer accounts. Uh, you know, for IG or uh, Facebook or Twitter, in terms of what their um, what their predictions are or what their insights are. Of course, you've got name, image, and likeness, which is a whole other area, and then you've got the metaverse, which is this whole idea that's been around for a while, but now we have the technology, and I think COVID really kind of pushed this issue forward in terms of moving into digital and some of the conversations that are being had around that subject as to what does that look like? You know, are we always going to be, I think the technology aspect, the digital aspect is here to stay. And I think it's only going to grow. I think obviously as COVID subsides, things begin to open up. And I think as uh, governments get better at handling some of that, and as people emotionally get better at handling some of this, there's going to be some serious changes. Um, in both the increase in digital, but also the increase in in-person. And people have made the comparison to, well, maybe this will be like the roaring 20s and we'll have the roaring 20s now here in you know the 2000s. 
but uh, we'll see how that plays out. I certainly hope so. I think all of us do uh, that we'll sort of see a nice rebound, but you know, you never know. But the idea is, is that there's clearly more areas to deal make now. There's clearly uh, more opportunities that we're seeing for both um, athletes and uh, entertainers when it comes to uh, the different areas of uh, production, the different areas of business growth. Now, obviously, yesterday was the Super Bowl, and uh, the Super Bowl, in my opinion, if anything, uh, is at least, at least in terms of sheer viewership, the greatest collection of entertainment, media, and sports talent and industry professionals uh, that really showcases the two best teams in football in the NFL and the most popular entertainers. Now, obviously, the LA being the fact that Super Bowl was in LA, they had an LA-focused entertainment group between Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg and Mary J. Blige and 50 Cent and uh, Eminem. But, and again, I think there's a reason for that. I think that made sense to do that, but uh, people were talking about it might be one of the greater uh, Super Bowl halftime shows that they've seen in a while. Um, I would seem to agree. I think that uh, the content was really good there. But it's also, the Super Bowl is also this ridiculous spectacle uh, for non-attendees as well. Uh, and there's the parties that surround the Super Bowl. Um, it's just, a, there's a lot of opportunities. I, I had gone to a um, Super Bowl-sanctioned breakfast that uh, had awarded Russell Wilson with a um, Bart Star Award, which was all about his uh, gift sort of back to the community. Uh, and he talked about this whole idea, he gave a great speech about faith and, and humility and one of the great things about his speech was that he talked, he didn't talk about himself the entire time. He just talked about thanking other people and he talked about uh, believing big, forgiving big and loving big and just a really great opportunity. Obviously Lee Steinberg had his annual party, 35th annual uh, at Sony studios, which also uh, highlighted the, and marked the 20 year anniversary of, I believe it was 20 year anniversary of the Jerry Maguire movie. So a lot going on there, but again, um, Super Bowl kind of highlights this idea of some of the changing dynamics to deal making, right? Because you talk about all the commercials that were in there and some of the changing in the brands of the commercials that were in there, certain brands that normally would have uh, a huge highlight in some of the Super Bowl commercials were not present, but others were. Uh, There's a lot of crypto and a lot of... Um, online banking, uh, which seems to be the big case these days. And of course, crypto is throwing around, um, you know, the crypto industry, particularly crypto.com is throwing around a lot of uh, money towards sports, uh, most recently with Formula One in Miami and that sort of thing. But look, it makes sense, right? When you're talking about brand exposure, Super Bowl gives about $170 million in brand exposure. And there was a great front office sports article was written about that today. Uh, so it's no wonder companies are clamoring for that opportunity and they're willing to pay, you know, the $7 million for as a 30 second, you know, uh, advertising spot or a one minute advertising spot. And of course, um, the NFL, uh, in particular the Super Bowl, they dominate the television ratings. And this has been the case for the last 25 years, at least. And you look at the top, you know, 10, 15 performing programs every year, they're all NFL games playoffs or Thursday night football, Monday night football, what have you. And of course, Super Bowl and that sort of thing. And of course, now the NFL does have an advantage 
uh, over other teams sports and that the NFL plays one Super Bowl. There's not a series of playoff games. Whereas in baseball, you get the best of seven basketball, you get the best of seven hockey, you get the best of seven. The NFL also plays fewer games. So it's easier to tune in. Uh, you know, they're only playing on Sundays and then they, you know, generally do a, a Thursday night football game and a Monday night football game. And those, you know, Monday night football has been around, I think since the, since the seventies or the eighties, but uh, Thursday night football is something of a newer iteration within the last uh, 10 years or so. But you're talking about 17 games in the NFL, 162 for baseball, 82 for basketball and hockey. It's a lot harder to be tuned in for that long of a season. Um, you know, although I will say those sports still do really well when it comes to fan bases and dedication and that sort of thing. And we'll see how that plays out over the next decade and uh, next 20 years or so in terms of what those fan bases look like. But uh, obviously credit has to, be due, has, to, has to be given because I think the NFL has uh, done an amazing job at building a national model of uh, television contracts and media rights and brands. Whereas maybe let's say with uh, baseball and some of the other sports, even basketball and hockey, it's been more of a local market. And you get these regional sports networks and that sort of thing, which does not occur uh, with football because they're all national contracts. So, uh, which makes it a national game. And of course, it's growing internationally when you look at the 2026 Super Bowl potentially being played in London at uh, Tottenham Stadium. So, needless to say, this all ties together with the point that um, there is a lot of exposure for these players and for these entertainers. The platforms are getting bigger. The, the contact between consumers and, um, and uh, the talent is becoming ever closer through social media or what have you in different platforms. And content is constantly being looked at in terms of how can we create more of it? How can we create it uh, in an easier fashion? And how can we distribute it uh, in an easier fashion and maybe avoid some of the traditional um, distribution uh, aspects. So um, let's pause here uh, very briefly for a, a commercial break for one of our wonderful show sponsors. NordVPN, what's more important than peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for, to give you peace of mind while you're online. And with all the threats that you face today on the internet, it is more important ever to be sure that you have the, the best VPN you can get. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either, and plans start at under $40 per month. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe that's B-L-E-A-V to get up to 70% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month for free. It's also risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. NordVPN, check it out. All right, folks, we are back. Uh, thank you again to our show sponsor, NordVPN and Bet Online. So we're talking about changes in entertainment and sports deal-making, and we've kind of run through the history here. We've talked about the web, web 3.0, with this whole idea of, which was a previous podcast where we talked about 
the removal of the middleman and really getting to the point where content is distributed directly. Uh, there is less going on in the middle and it's essentially just direct to consumer. Uh, and this is becoming more and more of, um, even if you look at crypto, crypto is really a direct to consumer banking system uh, where people get to bank directly with each other. There's not really a bank in place. There's just the financial currency of crypto. And this is all backed by blockchain technology and what that looks like in the entertainment media sports space. We talked about the growth of the Super Bowl and, um, and, and some of the, the, the fallout from that, what that looks like. And so again, we have, uh, I think, a ton of opportunities. I think there's a lot of growth happening uh, in the sports gaming space, the sports gambling space, NIL, the metaverse, and everything. And this whole idea of what the metaverse is going to look like and how we're going to interact with each other and how we're going to um, you know, do deals together. And, and I think that um, uh, the future is bright, but it's also scary, right? Because it's uh, not something that we've seen before. But um, interestingly, I think Hollywood uh, does, a, does a good job in this regard in terms of somewhat predicting the future. Uh, the Ready Player One movie by Steven Spielberg is a great example of what this might look like. Um, so it's uh, a very interesting time. So what does this look like in terms of deal making? So again, when you change the structure uh, or you change the inputs of, of a negotiation, you take out certain parties, you put in certain things, you add certain things, obviously it's going to change the, uh, the, what goes into the contract, right? So let me give an example. In Hollywood, you might have talent being paid uh, for um, traditionally, you know, you, you know, have box office sales and you would base it on back-end percentages of that. Uh, but now, of course, everything is, most everything is being streamed. Obviously, there's still movies going to, through the theater and going through the theatrical window process. And that'll pr probably increase, I think, as, again, the COVID uh, situation uh, becomes more clear and people become more safe. Uh, in terms of in in terms of mentally, they just they they feel better about going out. Uh, I think we'll see an increase in that, but I also think that the streaming aspect is here to stay. So of course, those deals change, right? Because then you're basing it on something completely different that's not related to the box office. So potentially, if I'm an agent for talent, you're going to argue that um, you should be paid more because you're not only bringing in streamed content and and value from that but you're also bringing it in from the box office. And of course, streaming is all about subscribers, views, and minutes watched. And they're now coming up with tools to follow that and to figure out what that looks like. And of course, in sports, you have contracts that can include provisions about standard yearly pay, um, but you can also have brand partnerships, appearances, performance bonuses, and more. Uh, but the off the field opportunities continue to grow as we talked about in sports gaming, gambling, esports, NIL, um, the sort of athlete as producer, which we did a previous podcast on. So there's just so many different areas and avenues that are growing here, and they're all getting closer and closer to the consumer, uh, which I think is great. Um, and I think obviously there's need for regulation there, and, and we'll sort of see how that plays out. Uh, and there's always, obviously, there's going to be circumstances where you're going to need a middleman, you're going to need a platform, you're going to need broader distribution. But that's sort of, you know, where we're at. And of course, athletes, entertainers, franchises, studios, and brands all have to consider what is best 
um, do you build your own platform or do you house content with an established distributor? This is the constant dilemma of do you use what's existing or do you create something new? Maybe it's a mixture of both. But then, of course, you have to negotiate those terms, right? Now, of course, the age-old truth about control and opportunity still applies because, look, at the end of the day, the larger the platform likely means the less control. The platform is going to have the leverage in that negotiation. However, less control over your own content uh, would come with that. Um, But again, that also depends on what the platform says and what they distribute, but they could provide you with a huge... um, you know, base in terms of distribution. So it's there, it's a trade-off, right? You might get more control if you build your own platform or you do something, you know, from a standpoint of maybe you're selling it on multiple platforms, but that, does that make it less exclusive? Uh, but again, in all of these things, regardless of whether you go wide or narrow in terms of distribution um, and with all these mergers going on, you know, vertical or horizontal mergers, when you're talking about acquisitions and studios and the whole discovery warner media and this whole uh, activision and microsoft uh, at the end of the day uh, measurements are important and measuring data from the standpoint of what your what the talent outputs are how many butts they put in seats uh, how you know how effective was the talent in terms of the film or in uh, or on the field or what have you right you know instagram will pay uh, and brands will pay Uh, YouTube will pay based on how many views you have, what's your engagement. So, uh, and this really created the whole influencer world, if you will. Uh, But again, look, measurements, business returns, uh, in terms of, you know, analytics, they've always been important. Obviously, the measurements have changed over the years, but they've always been important. And I think hopefully we've gotten better at this. Um, There's so much more data to consume these days. And of course, you got all the privacy concerns to go with that too. But uh, in many ways, these industries are waiting for, and I think consumers particularly are waiting for the processes and technology to catch up with the idea and the vision of the metaverse and what have you, right? This whole direct-to-consumer. I think some of that delay is deliberate because the technology is not there or the standards of process is not there. There might also be some... um, sort of resistance when it comes to the, the way that things have been done and the general resistance to change, which is natural. Uh, but it does seem more and more that blockchain and crypto will continue to grow. Um, and at least they're going to continue to, um, I think, spend money in the space until they get what they're looking for or, or, or they don't. But I, I think ultimately, um, that's going to be something very interesting to follow between the metaverse and digital transactions and interactions. There's going to continue to be an increased talent to consumer content consumption and payment without a middleman. We talked about how that might work in the music business or if somebody releases something on a platform uh, or through blockchain technology, uh, whether it be like an NFT or what have you, um, NFT of music or just, in, or just music in general, that somebody could pay directly to the artist to listen to that music or to license that music. If it was done safely through a platform and you couldn't mess with the transactions and you couldn't take away from that, the, what the structure uh, is of uh, blockchain technology and uh, the safety that uh, they want to have with that. So these are all very interesting things. I, I think, um, 
these changes will uh, present new opportunities. Um, and I think these changes will not only be able to, or allow us to see true value in talent, uh, but also to pay uh, based on those measurements. And of course, that means the contracts themselves will change. So it's uh, it's a very interesting time that we're living in, and um, and we'll sort of see how these things play out over the next five years, ten years or so. So um, appreciate you listening in. Again, I'm your host Jeremy Evans, and this is the Believe in Sports Law podcast with Jeremy Evans. Uh, this is via the Believe Podcast Network. Appreciate you listening in. Again, happy Valentine's Day to you. And we'll look forward to being back with you uh, very soon. Thank you again. And we'll talk with you soon. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube